0: Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Uh, Today, I'm joined again with my uh, co-host, Brandon Parker. Welcome, Brandon.
1: Hey, Matt. How are we doing today?
0: Doing great. Doing great. Looking forward to a very exciting topic today of insurance. I know everyone's favorite topic. Um, but you know we've been talking a lot about you know reviewing your goals, talking about you know what to do if you're considering a career change. Um, so we're coming into that season being uh, you know the into the fall, we're getting into open enrollment season. So a lot of you are starting to get an email saying, open enrollment is for these two weeks. If you need to make any changes, please do so now. If you don't want to make any changes, just ignore this email. Um, so I thought it'd be a good time to kind of review, uh, what co- goes on during an open enrollment? What are some of the insurances that you may have through work that you might have through personal and answer, you know, help you kind of come up with a homework exercise that you know kind of, will start to make sense of it. So, um, you know, Brandon, your last job, you know, when open enrollment came, you know. I know there's not a scientific number but how many of your employees or people that work for you would were 100% confident they knew everything that was available during open enrollment.
1: Yeah, it's always surprising um you know especially you get at some of the bigger firms they have a lot of different benefits. Um, you know, so the obvious ones are things like, you know, being enrolled in your 401k and then, you know, health insurance that annual enrollment period in the fall is kind of the time you can make any changes you need to make. Um, you'd be surprised. I mean, folks, a lot of times kind of set it and forget it and, and don't really think about it. And then, you know, that opportunity in the fall where you can make changes kind of passes by and they're like, oh, you know, shoot, I should have taken a little closer look to see what other options are out there. Um, especially, you know, as life events kind of change, you know, whether you get married or you have children or you move, all of those things can impact, um, you know, the uh, the health health plan you have and, you know, what benefits you might need
0: right yeah so you know obviously there's some big ones health insurance probably being the biggest and most important one um you know so w- when we start there you know when you're thinking about health insurance um you know we don't really get inv- into adv- advising clients on hey you need health option a or health option b but really what we help them think through is uh kind of the out-of-pocket exposure so ultimately with any type of insurance the question you have to ask yourself is if i didn't have this insurance what's the worst case scenario So in Massachusetts, you're required to have health insurance, but hypothetically, let's say you didn't have health insurance and you got into a car accident, you see some of these medical bills. They're hundreds of thousands of dollars. That would be catastrophic to almost anyone's financial livelihood. So health insurance is something you need to have, uh, but understanding kind of your options, you know, there's HMOs, there's PPOs, there's, you know, high deductible HSA accounts. So, you know, understanding what's right for you is kind of, you know, uh, it's something you want to spend a little time on. Usually it comes down to how healthy you are. So if you're the type of person that, you know, unless you get injured, you're not really going to the doctor a whole lot. You, you do your annual physical, you keep yourself in good shape, you work out, you're uh, you're not taking any regular prescription drugs. Things are pretty basic. Um, you might try to look for the plan that has the least uh, out-of-pocket for a premium. So you know, when it comes to health insurance, you, first thing you have to do is you have to pay your part of the premium. And, you know, if you're working for an employer sometimes they cover 50, 70, 80% of that. But usually on your pay stub, you see, you know, health insurance, $200 or $87 or whatever that number is. Um, you know, you if you choose the plan that costs maybe $100 more, the reason you're paying more uh, in your premium is because there's less future cost if you were to need those services. So, um, you know, you kind of look at yourself and say, well, I'd rather have the extra 100 bucks because if, you know, I'll, personally, I'll use myself, if if I, you know, I went and did the math. and Said well, if I needed uh, a medical procedure and it cost me eleven thousand dollars, and I have a maximum out of pocket of eight thousand dollars, I would kind of be capped at eight thousand. So I know I'd ha- if if I got hurt, I'd have to pay another eight thousand um, dollars. But my monthly premium is hundred dollars, is thousand dollars, is about thousand dollars less per month. So I'm gonna I'm gonna not pay twelve thousand dollars in premiums for the chance if I get hurt, I wouldn't, I would, uh, you know, I would, I wouldn't have to pay $8,000. But I also have, uh, there's four of the people in my family. So if three of us needed significant medical bills, I would now have to pay $24,000. So I'm looking at the math and saying, well, should I pay an extra $10,000 in annual premiums or, and, take the, and not have to take the risk that I might owe $24,000? Or do I take, keep the money in my pocket and take the risk? So if you're the th- type of individual that might have some extra cash in the bank or you have some savings built up, you might take that risk. If you're the type of person that maybe is struggling or has uh, debts and you're kind of living a little bit closer to paycheck to paycheck, you might gear towards more, pay a little bit more now, but have a lot low, less out-of-pocket expenses, um, you know, so when it comes to health insurance. Um, the other question, you know, we get a lot is, you know, should I put money in my HSA? Um, Brandon, someone says, hey, should I put money in my HSA? What what would you tell them?
1: Yeah, so first of all, the HSAs, you have to have what's called a high deductible plan to be eligible for them. Um, So basically what that means, Matt talked about the maximum out-of-pocket number, um, but the deductible will be the number that you essentially will have to pay on an annual basis before insurance starts kicking in. So if the deductible is, say, $5,000 a year, You'll be responsible for the first five thousand dollars to an extent um, before insurance starts to really cover beyond that. So it's it's kind of um, an emergency type of plan where it really does kind of um, incentivize you to want to save a little bit more in the short term. So that's that's kind of where that HSA can fit in. Um, if you'd rather not pay a really high premium, you can get a higher deductible so that. You can save towards future health expenses if you need them. So the HSAs are a pretty cool um, financial instrument, and they're relatively new. I mean, I think in the last you know twenty or thirty years they've really started to come in. Um, and basically, there's there's a few major benefits. One of them is that money is yours; it doesn't go away. So, you know, a flexible savings account goes away at the end of every year versus an HSA, a health savings account, um, you can carry over indefinitely. So it's it's just another way to be able to save for long-term expenses and long-term future. Um, and if you ever use that money on healthcare expenses specifically, it's tax-free. So it comes out of your paycheck um, before you're taxed. And then if you withdraw it anytime down the road for a health expense specifically, you don't get taxed on that money either. Um, so you could be investing it the whole time and even if it's grown a lot over the you know over the years um, you're still not taxed on that as a capital gains um, situation so there's there's some really nice financial benefits um, as Matt said though you know you if you're you know, supporting a whole family, it may may not make sense to be, um, you know, that high deductible where you have a lot more cash out of pocket because it's more likely that you're going to have those expenses in any given year. So, those are the, kind of some of the things to think about. Um, but if you are eligible for an HSA, definitely recommend, you know, some contributions there and and look through the bigger picture and see how it fits in your plan, um, because it's a really powerful savings vehicle. Um, it's uh, it's what they call triple tax advantage. So, if you then retire and you have a balance left in your HSA, it gets treated um, pretty much like an IRA does. So you you actually get that tax advantage on, um, on your investment growth over time, and then you can use it for, um, for different things later on. But it's always tax free for healthcare expenses, which is really powerful. Right, and it's
0: likely that you know over the next 30, 40, 50 years, you'll have some form of medical expense that you can use it on. So it's unlikely that you'll be stuck with this account that you have to take out and pay taxes on. So, um, so, you know, health insurance is obviously a big one. It's something you, everyone should have, you know, if you're under 26, you might be able to still get on your parents insurance. Um, you might do the math and say, Hey, my employer offers it. So I know I can be on my, my, uh, parents plan a little bit longer but maybe I should give them a break pay my own insurance they can then you know start putting money away for their future again so um, just because you can be on your parents insurance uh, doesn't mean you should leave them with the bill uh, maybe have that discussion do your research see which plans better for you currently long term and maybe you know start to you know move off the family payroll um, I'm not speaking to my kids for seven to eight so six or seven years in the future hopefully we'll be having this discussion um, so the other the other one you'll see is uh, like life insurance so, um, And there's two different types. Usually there's two boxes. There's life insurance and then there's accidental death and dismemberment. So if you are 24, no kids, no mortgage, should you have life insurance? Um, You know, the question is, you know, do you have student loans? Do you have other debts that might have to be paid? So you might want to have a little bit of life insurance, um, you know, through your job. Um, But you don't necessarily want to be paying a lot of money for life insurance if you don't have a lot of bills to pay. Um, But the difference between life insurance and accidental death and dismemberment, because when you look at it, it says, you know, life insurance for $100,000 is uh, $9 a paycheck um and accidental death and dismemberment for two hundred fifty thousand dollars is twenty two cents a paycheck so oh, i'll just buy the one that's twenty two cents versus the one that's nine dollars but the fact is accidental d- death and dismemberment only pays out in very very unique situations so you're traveling for work and the plane crash or a car accident um, you lose you know one limb or only half a limb this difference very it's really a terrible terrible uh... underwriting process but um, they're not the same. So just because you have accidental death and dismemberment, you really don't have life insurance because life insurance covers you. You get sick. Normal life events happen. You pass away. Someone's going to get paid versus accidental death and dismemberment. You kind of have to win the parlay bet to be able to get that paid off. So, you know, it's, it's cost less to the insurance company because they don't pay it out very often. So life insurance, a couple, couple little tips, Um, whatever that dollar amount is, it's per usually per paycheck. So if you get paid two times a month, or twice a week, or once a week, or four times, or once a month, the cost is going to vary. So you look and say, well, it's only only $4 a month, but it's really $4 a paycheck. So if you're paid weekly, that's now $16. Um, And usually the way life insurance through work is designed is it's usually in three to five year increments. So from 31 to 35, you pay one price. From 35 to 39, you pay another price. So If it's $4 today and you happen to work at that company for 10 years and don't pay attention, it's probably costing you $28 a paycheck 10 years from now. Um, So with life insurance, you always want to ask the question, um, should I buy it through work or can I get it better, you know, going to get it from a a, a private insurance for myself? So you might, if you are, um, you know, you're buying $250,000 of life insurance through your work, you might do an online search and say, what if I bought $250,000 of life insurance personally? What would that cost me? Um, because that, if usually if you buy it per- personally, the premium is usually fixed for 10, 20, or 30 years. So you know even if I change jobs or uh, you know, situation my health changes, I've got that coverage locked up. Um, and maybe for an extra, you know, what works out to be 3 or $4 a paycheck, it's worth having that security. Um, if you don't really need the insurance and the company's giving it to you and you you know you want you you're obviously gonna take it, it's free um so you don't really have to spend a lot of time thinking about that but you know look at the monthly costs as well as you know life versus accidental death and dismemberment um the next one is disability insurance um so uh Brandon, what does disability insurance cover
1: yeah, so Disability insurance, you know, uh, comparing it to, to, say, life insurance, um, they, they serve a little bit of a different purpose, um, where disability insurance is really meant to, um, you know, cover, cover any expenses you might have in case of not being able to work, so, you know, due to injury. Um, and there's a couple different forms of disability insurance. Um, you might see short-term. You might also see long-term. Short-term typically would be something like, you know, I need, need to miss time to have knee surgery and I can't be on the job. Um, versus long term, you know, it might be something much more um, chronic illness or anything that's you know an extended period of time that you'd have to be out of work, and it would provide some income um, for you while you're out. Um, so ultimately, you know, a lot of the questions come from, you know, how healthy you are, if you have pre-existing conditions or other things along those lines that might, um, you know, might come into to play. Um, then you start to look a little bit more detail about what. Um, you know, what you really need to replace, what income you need to replace. Um, so, you know, similar to, to life insurance, if you have a mortgage or if you have dependents, um, you know, f- whether the children or, you know, might be uh, parents or somebody that you need to support, um, in case something does happen to you, you know, that insurance can kick in to help cover some of those expenses.
0: So if you get disabled on the job or outside the job, do you still have to pay your student loan bills? <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's a great question. Um, student loan bills, I believe it's yes, right? The answer is yes. This so, is a quiz for me, folks. correct. So <laughs> even
0: if you maybe uh, if you have those debts, you know that's one of those things like oh, I don't want to start accruing late penalties and in interest. so um and the way disability insurance works through your job is it you know on open enrollment, there's two important things you have to check. one, to Brandon's point, the short term and then long term. long term is kind of ninety days plus one hundred and eighty days plus. so it's it. The odds of it happening, most we'll ah, I'm never going to be out of work that long. But statistically, there's a one in three chance that before age 65, uh, the average person will have a, a disability lasting more than 90 days. So we all hope it never happens, but it's definitely something you at least have to you know think about. Um, so uh, and the reason why when you look at the line item, disability insurance costs more than life insurance is because you're more likely to be disabled and over the course of your work, then die prematurely. So once again the cost aligns with the chances that you might need it. So, um, but, uh, with long-term disability, usually there's a box on there. Um, and sometimes you have options. It covers like 50% or 75% of your pre-tax income. So let's use the example. You're making $50,000 and you get disabled and you don't have insurance. You go to making zero. If you have 70% income replacement, you would then start receiving $35,000 in the form of disability benefits. But sometimes there's a box on there that says, should my uh, disability premiums be pre-tax or or after tax? So if you check pre-tax, that means you get a small tax incentive on the money that gets paid for the premium. But the problem is then when you receive the benefit, it's now taxable. So you were making $50,000 paying taxes, now you're making thirty-five thousand dollars and paying taxes, versus if you check the box that says no, make it post-tax. <clears throat> that means you pay a little bit of tax on the premium they take out, but the benefit would be income taxable, uh, income tax-free. So now all of a sudden you're making thirty-five thousand, but you're not paying any taxes on that thirty-five thousand. So it would stretch a little bit further. So it's this little minuscule box that most people don't think about, but it's definitely one you want to ask. You know, is my If I got disabled, will my benefit be pre-tax or will I have to pay tax on that benefit? And ultimately, you want it to be pre-tax. So do whatever you have to do to make sure that your benefit when you receive it, I'm sure not pre-tax, but would be tax-free. So disability insurance, um, it's a really hard topic. Uh, Once again, if you have other things besides just student loans, like I said, you've got a mortgage or you haven't built up a lot of savings and you're living paycheck to paycheck, um, even a 70% reduction would be painful. So sometimes you might have to look at buying a, high, a, a supplemental plan outside of work that can might cover that extra 10 or 15% gap. Um, ultimately, insurance companies are not going to let you make the same amount. They're never going to let you get close to 100% of your pre-tax income. Because then if you got disabled, their argument is you'd have less incentive to go back to work because you're basically making the same amount of money for not working. Um, I kind of disagree with that idea. Most people ultimately want to get back to work and get back to normal life. But that's the reason why you never get to have 100 percent disability insurance because um, of, of that, that, that process. So you get life insurance you get disability insurance, then you start moving down the line and this is this, this sometimes depending on the size of your company you might see these um, legal legal coverage or pet insurance um, so uh, you know have you have anyone that had to deal with pet insurance uh,
1: I haven't personally but i've seen uh, I've seen pet owners that you know it might be their uh, their lab swallowed a sock and can't pass it all of a sudden you have to go in for surgery um so they it's a real cost i mean i think all pet owners probably understand you know what can happen but um you know there's that's a it's a unique benefit a lot of companies are going with now because of you know uh being able to support their their people and you know be able to uh you know kind of support the the pet friendly world so uh, that's an interesting one. It's a fun one.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely. And some employers will offer it. So if you're working for a larger organization and you do have a dog or a pet, um, you might want to look into it because you know maybe it's twelve or fifteen or twenty dollars a paycheck, and there's no tax incentives to you. You're going to pay tax on the benefit, but um, th- the cost of some of those procedures are can 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 be expensive. So um, and as my, I'm not, uh, I don't have any pets myself, so. Uh, but for the people that do have them, they tend not to want to say, "Well, well, he's had a good run. We'll just not do the surgery." Most people are going to do the do the procedure and have to come find a way to pay for that two thousand or twenty five hundred dollars. So, um, with anything like pet insurance or some of these smaller uh, coverages, the only thing you have to be very careful of is what does it cover. So you might be thinking, "Well, if my dog, my my animal gets sick, no matter what, I'm covered." Then you realize, well, well, that isn't covered. That's partially covered. And, you know, oh, they didn't swallow the sock at the right time of day. So <laughs> now all of a sudden you owe us, you know, 33% instead of 0%. So you want to just understand what it covers, what type of, dog, what type of pets you have, and make sure they're, they're insured. Um, another important one is uh, legal coverage. And we've, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. But sometimes there's a, a, what's called a legal prepaid plan and might usually people blow right past it they don't even think about it you know they're thinking i'm not going to get arrested or sued or whatever um but you know brandon if, if someone's uh, wondering what that is what might that cover
1: yeah so it, it's kind of a nice benefit for for some companies and and um we've we've talked with clients at times about you know do if you have legal coverage to your company you know could that go towards drafting an estate plan or writing up a will? So things that ultimately you know most folks will have to do at some point in their life um, you know so those, those kind of uh, plans that can help you with that can actually come in handy in that, uh, in that kind of situation.
0: Right. yeah so if you are maybe a married couple or a younger professional who might have some assets or a house, that legal benefit is usually like seven to ten dollars a paycheck or a month. Um, but the cost of just drafting a, a basic will, and estate documents is usually you know fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars. So, you know, if you don't need the the works, you just need to have something in place. Maybe you have a child, and you are worried about guardianship. Um, that legal benefit is something you could sign up for. Get your will done. Maybe keep it the next year. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you kind of do it year by year. Um, but I've I've talked to people that you know they lost a very nice jacket at the bar and they called up and they, you know, th- through the legal benefit, the person was able to file a claim and get them some money. So, um, you know, it's one of those ones you don't think a lot about, but, um, if you are, uh, you know, things happen. So you might want to just read that one a little more thoroughly if it is offered. Um, so you know, I was just doing a, a, a quick tally when it comes to kind of a homework exercise. And I, was, I kind of wrote down all the, the possible insurances someone who's in their 20s might be paying for. So I wrote down life insurance, disability, health insurance, uh, maybe a legal plan, maybe pet insurance, maybe car insurance, and maybe you pay the, the the insurance on your phone or your iPad and all the the technology. Um, if you have a home or a rent or you're renting, you might have uh, rental insurance or homeowners insurance. And maybe there's more, but um, I kind of tallied those up and you know put some very rough numbers next to them. But it's not crazy if you're um, and if you're owning a home, it's probably a little bit more expensive than you're renting. But even as a renter's insurance, you know you might be paying five to six hundred dollars a month in insurance costs um, to kind of fully protect yourself. And you don't really feel it because it's like $4 here and $11 here. And a lot of them come off your paycheck and you're only dealing with the net paycheck is kind of what you feel is your money. So you you maybe don't think about all these, but what I would really encourage everyone to do a little bit of exercise is go through your pay stub, go through all the things you pay insurance on and just make a list and just say, Oh, that cost me this, this cost me there. And do the math to convert it to an annual cost. So if you're paying $4 a, a week, $16 a month, $200 a year. So do them all out to an annual number and just see how much am I paying out in insurance? Um, So and then go back to that question we mentioned earlier, which is, if I didn't have this insurance, what's the worst case scenario? So, you know, we bought my son a laptop and um, they said, oh, the laptop, let's say the laptop was $1,000. Do you want the two year consumer protection plan? It's $150. So I looked at that and said, well, that's 15% of the cost of what I just bought. Hypothetically, if this laptop were to break, could I afford to buy another one? The short answer is yes. So do I want to pay $150 and hope he breaks it and I get my money back that way? Or do I want to keep the $150 in my pocket and say, worst case, I have to pay another thousand dollars, but I trust he's gonna take good care of it. So in that situation, the worst case scenario was not that great, not that risky. So I chose not to buy the insurance. Versus, you know, Brandon, you own a home. Do you ever think about not carrying homeowner's insurance?
1: <laughs> I don't think my mortgage provider would like that much. But um yeah, it's it's one of those things, I mean, the value of your house is what you could lose, right? So if you're not insured to cover part of that, um, that would be catastrophic. It's it's something that um yeah, it's it's painful to even think about, right? But that's that's where the value of insurance can really show up is, all right, if something did happen and, you know, God forbid, the house burned down, would we be able to recover? Without insurance, maybe not. Probably not, if we're being honest, so.
0: Right, yeah. So that's the idea is, could I afford, what would, what would be the worst case scenario? And that's, you know, answer that question. So like I said, you've got your list, you see all the things, and now what you don't want to do is just start crossing them off to save money because that could be uh not very wise but what you do is you want to go line by line and just say um do i need it do i need this amount or should i have more or less because in some situations you know uh, take car insurance um let's say you've done a good job saving you've built some money up and you've got a hundred thousand dollars saved but you still have the same kind of basic car insurance that you've got right out of college and has maximum coverage of twenty five thousand or per incident so, all the insurance company is going to provide is that. The, technically, you have other assets. So, if you were to hit somebody or get into an accident, they might be able to attack your other assets. So, usually you want to you know, review your deductibles, make sure they kind of align with what you have. So, in that situation where you, you're worth more than what your insurance will cover, you might actually be, need more insurance. Vice versa, if, you know, you're paying for deductibles that are higher than you might ever need, you might need less insurance. It's just, you still need the insurance. You just might need a different level of it. So, you know, do I do I need it? Should I increase it? Should I keep it the same? Or should I reduce it? And then the final question is, Do if I don't need it, should I eliminate it? And if I eliminate it, can I take that money and kind of put it towards something more effective either for my, my long-term goals or for savings or, or reducing a debt or something like that? So... Um, you know, as I mentioned, this is not the most exciting topic, uh, but insurance is something that if you spend one hour a year thinking about, you'll probably be further ahead than 90% of your peers because <laughs> most people never think about it. They just click the button that says, nope, I'm good. Just roll it over. And then something happens mid-year and they're like, oh, I didn't know. Can I, can I get back in on that deal? Was that deal still there? And the answer is no. You know, most people want insurance when they need it and that's too late. So take an hour this year before open enrollment, go through all the selections. If you don't understand something, ask somebody. So ask someone, maybe a a peer or mentor who's a little bit older who's gone through it. Sometimes when you ask HR, they they can't give you advice because legally they have to, you know, if if you tell them to do it or not do it and then it doesn't work out, the company's liable. So HR will probably tell you exactly what the benefit is, but they're never gonna give you advice on whether you should or should not do it. Um, but use the tools that are are available to you and and ask a lot of the right questions. So, um, and you know, like I said, one hour a year will, will really put you (laughs) a lot further ahead of, than a lot of people that are out there. So, um, Brandon, any closing tips when it comes to insurance?
1: No, I think, I think you summed it up really well, which is, again, it's a a little bit of forethought can go a long way and, you know, hopefully you never need it, but you never know what can happen (laughs) out there.
0: Um, so hopefully we made insurance a little bit interesting. Um, once again, thanks all for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm Matt Schroeder with Great Points and until next time, have a good day.
1: Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities, laws, and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.